for thousands of years, people have worshipped gods. What is it about the the uh, act of devoting yourself to a deity that is so central to humans for so long? And what is the psychology behind it? Today, my guest, not so erudite, is somewhat versed in this topic. She's also a Christian, so I'm I'm uh, I can't wait to talk to her about this subject, and uh, we're gonna get into that. Welcome back to the Gnostic Informant, and you are about to attain true gnosis. And my guest today is Kayla. Kyla. Kyla. I'm sorry. Okay. Thank you for that. Okay. Uh, you, yeah. Your your channel, um, Not So Erudite, uh, you launched it around the same time as me. Both launched our channels in the summer of 2021. And it's like, I just thought, it's, I, I just, I was looking at this right before we, right before you, you came on here. I didn't even realize like we had the, all clearly like the, around the same amount of subscribers. Um, and so like we're like both jumping in the game at the same time and then growing at the same rate. It's pretty cool to see that. So I'm uh, but I didn't know you were Christian until just right before we went live. And uh, so this will be a fun discussion, but make sure you guys subscribe. The links in the description. Click on the subscribe button. And uh, obviously there's some lots of good content over there and I highly recommend it. So how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's very different content than what you typically do. I was watching your talk about Moses just yeah. before we got on here. So very, very different. Uh, I tend to, so the reason people don't know I'm Christian is I tend to be very anti-proselytizing. I find the way that evangelicals have turned faith conversations into what they are now that I tend to just steer away unless people ask me like very direct questions about it. So before... But I, before I even get to psychology and stuff like that, I just want to ask you, like, what? Why are you a Christian? Can you give us a little, a little backstory of how you, of where you're at today? Uh, so I grew up Fundy. Uh, my parents are very fundamental Pentecostal types, so they believe like Moses literally happened, and that the Jews literally were in Egypt, and that they literally had an Exodus, and all that good stuff. Um, and I did too, until I was like 19. Uh, my brother came out as gay and I watched the church act very unchristly. Uh, he had been working like 80 hours plus at the church that we were at, basically for free, uh, helping them run massive, massive events. He was super gifted. They basically didn't pay him. And then when he came out as gay, they basically told him that they were like, uh, they basically just like cast him out. They said like, they used to call him like their son. Uh, and they basically said like they were super disappointed and kind of rejected him wholly. Um, and so necessarily that threw my faith into kind of turmoil where um, that felt like deeply not the correct response or answer. Uh, and it just led to like a long, like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with like Nietzsche, where he talks about like this, the kind of the, even like Derrida, like the deconstruction of like our inherited structures. I think like that occurred to me for like the next three years. Um, and now I'm still a Christian, almost exclusively based on like, I basically tell people I'm a Christian because the experiences I've had like within my faith and the way like God showing up in the way that feels like very real to me 
keep occurring at such a consistent rate that it would be f pretty silly to walk away. Like it would be, it feels like it would be actually wrong and illogical to walk away. Um, so we can get into that, but a lot of it's like personal experiences uh, specifically. And so from then on of being like, okay, well, if I feel like at a really core center, center of me that like, this is, there's something real here, I should probably like figure out what that actually is. And that kind of began my faith journey of like fully revisiting like everything, like starting at question like one, which is like, if I believe that there's an intelligent creator out there, like what's the nature of it? Um, yeah. That is so fascinating. I have so many questions on that, but I want to run back, run down for everybody. Are, is it, is it, are, is that title psychologist? Is that correct to call you or nope. no? Okay. So can you tell us what your background is and your uh, expertise and all that stuff? Yeah. So uh, I'm a licensed addictions counselor um, and I've got a honor psych degree. Uh, so that means I've got my, my major and minor are all dedicated to psychology. Um, and then I've got something called a graduate diploma in psychological assessment, which basically allows me to work in the capacity of a psychometrist or a psychometrician. Um, so not a psychologist, not even a licensed therapist or anything like that. And then kind of I got accepted into a master's program for clinical psych. Um, I don't know if that's a direction I still want to go. I'm looking like really seriously at research psych instead. So pursuing a PhD, the goal is eventually a PhD, but I'm really trying to be open about like the process by which I get there and like what that actually looks like. So, yeah. So I'll have to, I'll have to edit that. I put in the description that you were a psychologist, but I, it's a, whatever. I'll fix that later. But that's um, okay. There's uh, some anti fans that will clip that anyways and use it against me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you have some knowledge in these areas with, mm -hmm. with that being said, when you look at that, when you look at the knowledge of like psychology behind some, some of these belief systems and what it, what it entails, how do you look at that and compare that? How do you see that? How do you see yourself in that? Like, do you see there's something happening psycho psychologically or yep. what's your thoughts on that? I mean, there's pretty good neuropsychological evidence that when people have religious experiences, there's a pretty significant and consistent area of the brain, like right kind of lower temporal area that lights up. Um, and so nuns, when they have religious experiences, when they like do a lot of prayer and report having a religious closeness to God, this area that lay brain lights up, but it also lights up when people do like hallucinogens and report having spiritual experiences as well. Um, religiosity and spirituality seem universally intrinsic to homo sapiens. Um, and there's kind of a metaphysical question there, which is why. And the materialist says, because evolution randomly built that into us because it allowed social cohesion to work better at larger and larger groups, et cetera, et cetera. Some sort of like evo psych reason as to why it exists, which is a reasonable enough conclusion come to. And I think, unfortunately, it's just as reasonable. Everyone keeps arriving to this universal conclusion that there's some sort of like infinite being that's like, to some extent, has its hand in the creation or at least existence of us is because there is a universal being who has some sort of hand in the like creation and existence of us, right? And I think I think a lot of materialists like to act like the second one is silly and the first one's really solid because it's like material, but they feel they feel like both wholly reasonable conclusions to come from because they're just like circular axioms at the end of the day. Um, I think you just have to decide which one works for you and you can be like satisfied with and you think like accurate accurately represents what's true. Um, and one of us is right. <laughs> and I guess we'll find out, you know, that, that, cause I, you, you mentioned how, you know, you, the thought of leaving Christianity doesn't seem right to you, even though you've witnessed some, some pretty horrible things with your brother. Um, what makes you, so this is really interesting. Why, why <laughs> call it Christianity still? Why not just say, 
I think there might be something behind all this. I just don't know what it is. Uh, I do believe in a Jew. I've come to, in the full process, I've come to the conclusion that a Judeo-Christian God maps onto what I think is most correct. Um, and I think the comprehension of when I say God and everyone says, you mean Christian God? That's the Christian God is, I would say, the one that I fundamentally believe in. Um, the issue is like what the nature of the Christian God is going to be definitely argued on. But there are some fundamental things that I would probably agree with on Christians on. Um, and then there's other things I would disagree on. Okay. Like, I don't care if Jesus ever existed. <laughs> probably did to some extent. But, yeah, but that, that, that's that's my that's my okay this is interesting i'm really <laughs> i'm really fascinated by this right now what is it so if you don't you don't care about the historicity or the details in the bible or whatever well, i love it i love it i you, love studying secular bible literature it's okay well then let me i have to ask you then what is it that you agree on about this stuff is just is it just the like what is it that you agree on I believe that there is a God out there that deeply loves humankind, that is constantly going through different kind of utilitarian compromises to find ways to like lead to both like meaning and happiness. And I think I think I've decided that I do believe in heaven. I just don't care about it. And like to some extent that like a heaven exists that like ideally we get the ticket to. So th those are what I believe in. Um, yeah. What about the well, so? You said there's a lot of things you disagree on. What about those too? Uh, so I'm not fundamentalist uh, about any of the Bible. Um, I don't care about like, I, I just, I'll, re I'll refer to your Moses talk. Like when they're like, you know, like they talked about how there's like chariot wheels in the Red Sea. And like, that's not true. Uh, I don't care. Uh, I don't I don't care. I don't read the Bible like this didactic piece of literature because it's not. It was never supposed to be. It's, Old Testament is mostly like poetry. And the way we do history in a modern world is so far from how they managed history and like the oral process of like storytelling sure. that I, I just like when i look at fundamentalists i just like cringe um because the yeah. moment you like abandon that it needs to literally happen right like i tried to like talk to my parents where i'm like do you actually think samson took two foxes and tied their tails together <laughs> and they're like yes and i'm like that would break their tails they couldn't run afterwards Impossible. like that that would break their spine yeah and they're like yeah but god willing it can happen i was like no it just what why why do you need to cling to this the story is so much more meaningful when you realize it didn't literally happen that way but who is samson what does he mean to you right. why is he relevant why did this people talk about samson why was delilah important like the bible gets eighty thousand times more interesting when you abandon a didactic modern reading reading of it so i love like secular uh bible uh analysis actually a lot of your channel i'll probably just start listening to because i like this stuff that's awesome you know, and I lo i'd love to get you on more often even though we haven't even did our this one yet but like the, i always want to hear different points of view on this that are not just fundamentalists or pure atheists i always like to get people in the middle sometimes this this is going to be fun um by the way super chats thank you thank you gina for the super chat this is what keeps this channel going this is what this is you guys are the ones that fund this channel and thank you for everyone that super chats and join the patreon or membership uh do you do you think there is anything positive that comes from religious devotion uh, oh, sorry. The debate bro in me is like, what do you mean by religious devotion? <laughs> um, good question. I don't know what they mean. So like religious devotion could be talking about like fanaticism. 
Um, let's say or, that's let's say that's what they're going with. What would you sure, say? like zealotry and fanaticism. Yep. I think zealotry and fanaticism is extremely functionally effective at raising armies and unifying a large collection of people against another group of people. But in general, fanaticism is not like the space where I think like good philosophical and like transcendent thinking occurs. Um, so I think it's got like a bit of a functional purpose. Um, but in general, like fanaticism and zealotry, I don't generally find to be good. Yeah, that's. But I don't think all religious people. I actually, I've actually, zealots. I brought this up before with a few people and talked about how in the ancient world it seems to be that religious belief in their local deity mm-hmm. would, would would be the driving force to to get people to get, raise up arms and go invade another and be and be able to invade and pillage and rape another city and be okay with it because their god said it's okay. Right. So I I totally agree with what you're saying. There's like there's some strategic w- ways that it would work, but also in a society like today, that's like way outdated. We don't need that. And like that that type of thinking is like really problematic. So I get what you're saying with there. Um, Caterpillar has a good comment here. What wild to me how folks can deconvert from fundamentalism yet stay tied to religion due to the consistency of their own wins. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know what just consistency of their own wins. I don't know what that means. Own wins. Um, it's still so tied to religion due to the consistency of their own wins. Kata, if you're in the chat, um, expl- if you can, uh, the own wins part, I, I'm, I'm, I myself am pretty, uh, I don't understand it as well. Um, but like, let's just, let's just go with, uh, she's also said, sending love to her brother. I, I agree that that was like, that's, that's a terrible thing. So witnessing that happen in your church, by the way, let me just, um, we just stick with my own experience first because I was I was also a fundamentalist Christian for a period of time. I went to prison and mm-hmm. I read the Bible cover to cover in prison. Became a full full blown uh, saved. I'm saved. I'm saved because I was a drug addict and I went to prison for 18 months. Came out, went to church, and I was a fundamentalist for a period of time. I was very like right wing conservative, uh, all that the whole nine. And right. I, and the same thing happened to you. Happened to me. I didn't have a brother in the church, but I witnessed. I witnessed that type of mentality happening all around me. And I yeah. just got so sick of it that I left. Like mm-hmm. one of the last days I was in church was um, we, were, we were in the basement eating our, our lunch. And there were, this is the evangelical church. So evangelical means you're going out, you have signs, you're going on the street corners and you're, and you're proselytizing. That's the whole point of this church. You're trying yeah. to get safe. So we were, pa- we're passing out signs. I forgot what they said on them. They're like John one, whatever. There's like quotes on them. And the one person said, Oh, what about the other church that says the God hates fags uh, sign? How come we don't have that? And everyone, right. started, everyone started laughing like it was a joke. The pastor goes, but we do. And I remember just everything got quiet. And everyone was like, and I remember just being like, I'm in the, this is, this is the wrong, I'm in the wrong side of history. <laughs> saying it for me. Yeah. I ended up leaving after that. But, um, but yeah, so let's, so for you to see all that happen and mm-hmm. you, so what, I, it's, it is interesting to me that you would continue to call yourself i mean it's it's obviously your own choice at the end of the day but like i guess that the most thing I'm, I'm i'm perplexed by is like there, there you, could, you could be christian you could be deist you could be agnostic you could say i believe in some sort of god but i don't know what it is but the christian you, you you're hanging on to that thing is it because this is what you're familiar with 
so I'm not hanging on to it. I actually used to be call myself a Christian that no Christians would own, or I would just like not really use a label uh, because I recognize that like Christians would have an issue with it. And there's a whole bunch of presumptions about me that are attached to it. Uh, it's the same reason why I actually kind of rejected using the title feminism um, because like rad femmes and like the misandry that comes out of that space and like the turfy, turfy stuff as well, made me really, and like the swerfy stuff as well, made me really uncomfortable with the title. Um, but what I realized is that like, if you care about something that's, centrally true to a concept which is that like i fundamentally do believe in a christian god um like that would be the best way to characterize it if you care about something you should be willing to like carry the label and make it valuable again right so like i think feminism has a ton to offer um even though there's really really toxic pernicious gross elements to feminism um it doesn't mean that the central goal of like uplifting women and like getting society to realize that like femme feminine traits and like the feminine aspects of the world are valuable intrinsic and like respectable these are good things um same with christianity i think that there's a lot that like that a christian faith can give people that is incredibly life-giving just good evidence as well about like the effects that like faith have and so for me to not call myself a christian would feel like a lie because i do believe in a god to call myself a deist makes me sound like i'm like some like weird edgy tumblr emo kid who like can't just like embrace like uh, like it, it makes me feel like i'm just like it, it feels like a lie it feels kind of larpy uh, it feels like the way i can own my positions the most from my chest is to be like yeah i'm a christian and i'm a christian that most christians think is a heretic and that's fine because i still love my god anyways it doesn't matter what they think interesting now do you do you believe that because if i was a christian right now my first question would be do you believe that jesus died on the cross and was raised three days later like what would you say yeah. you do okay. yeah i just don't know if i care if it literally happened <laughs> and this is this is really fascinating but i'm also it, it i think it's hard to wrap my head around because i don't know it's it's interesting i'm, I'm but there's, there's there's a super chat i'll get we'll get back to this in a second uh max the confessor thanks for the super chat what does it what does the lit what does the literature say? I'm sorry. What does literature say about psychedelic versus ascetic fasting, chastity, poor living conditions, ecstatic experience? What's different? That's a good question. Like I said, I'm not an expert in like psychology of religion and religious experiences. Um, I've heard it more tertiarily from like the neuropsych areas that I've researched. Um, in fact, I probably know more about the psychology of religion as a society and its effects on like societal functioning than I do on like these like niche type things so as far as like ascetic living qualities i suspect anything that induces consistently and repeatedly across multiple people a religious experience is probably tapping into the same thing uh brains are weird um you know it's weird that psychedelics consistently produce very similar phenomenon of like steel gnomes and religious experiences and a sense of like oneness it's kind of weird we don't totally know but then some people will take a hallucinogen and have like a pretty different experience so like uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to answer this question other than like if they're both producing some sort of like religious experience if the person reports as like a spiritual experience, it's probably tapping into like similar brain structures. Um, but they're obviously different as well because of like the process by which you get there. Like the ascetic lifestyle is totally different than just like dropping some mushrooms. Interesting. Um, I'm so intrigued about the whole Christian I mean, I don't, I don't, I hope I'm not coming off like rude, like really. Nope. Okay. Just making sure like I, so have you ever explored any other religions outside of Christianity at all? What, mm -hmm. what, 
what is your thoughts on other stuff? How much, how, how deep have you gone? So I think like original Buddhism, <laughs> gosh, this is where I'm going to piss off all the Christians. When I look, so I, I think Christianity is tapping in, in like the most popularized way into like that finite version of God that I believe in. But I would be silly, I think, to believe that like that version, that like touching of Christ didn't occur in other spaces. So when I read like Buddhism, for example, which isn't really a religion and everyone in my discord is going to get mad at me for calling it a religion. I know it's not a religion, but there are religious elements to it. And a lot of like the original, so not like Taoist Buddhism, but like OG, OG traditional Buddhism, I feel like was um, the version of Judeo-Christian God being like brought into like that culture. Um, and like a, a portal of like access to it. Um, I actually think Aristotle also brought forward a lot of like Judeo-Christian, like God-like principles and stuff like that. Um, I looked into Islam a little bit um, since it's like super similar to Christianity. Uh, that was like kind of the first one, but then I realized that they were like even more didactic and I was like, okay, fuck that. Like the didactic shit's the stuff that I hate. So uh, that's not good, probably gonna work for me. I looked a bit into Hinduism. Uh, I just like couldn't get into it. Just like didn't map on very live to me. I looked a lot at like Mormonism. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I did like a little bit of like the new age, like some like like Wicca and like Church of Satan stuff just to like get an idea of like what that's all about. Um, it just, again, it didn't feel as William James is like, like the, the concepts didn't feel like live to me. Um, so yeah. Those are some of the religions that I looked into, but I'm by no means an expert in any of those religions. Interesting. Um, so to expand on before, uh, you spoke about staying tied to religion due to the ways God has positively impacted her life and her positive experiences. Oh, so you're saying I'm just staying connected to it because of the winds in my life. Um, I guess that's a way to say it. I think I think you think I think if you think that something that has been deeply meaningful, impactful, and the wit so it's not like it's just giving me wins and I'm like, God, yeah, that feels good. What's actually going on is that like I keep repeatedly and it must them just to be clear, not all of them are positive person positive personal experiences. A lot of them are incredibly difficult. It's just when you keep having these repeated types of experiences that make it feel like God keeps saying, like, I am here. I am here and I do exist it would be foolhardy for me to like walk away. Um, that doesn't mean though that I don't have like a ton of issues with the church. Um, I feel like I take more L's from maintaining my faith than I do wins kind of socially, particularly because I'm highly interested in like neuroscience and philosophy and like querying in like more of these like academic spaces. So um, yeah, I don't like the implications of this comment. It feels like Kat is reading into me a lot of like her stuff. Uh, instead of actually listening to me and like my stuff. Well, and, and I, so to be fair to Keta, I think she's, cause and I, this is, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm kind of on aligned with what she's saying, to be honest, because it's like, we are in a point in time in, in this, in this, in this world where it seems like a lot of these bad ideas in politics and social issues are coming from the religious right or whatever you want to call it. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's kind of, it, it makes you wonder you you seem to be uh you seem to be pretty um well educated you seem to have you know you seem you're not like bigoted you're not like but i guess it's like why even title it that you know what i mean why even say well it's christianity but it, it's it's very it's 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 interesting i'm admit I, to be honest it is kind of confusing it's like 
what is it about Christianity that keeps you going? Especially when you say you don't even care if it's real or not. You just, you know. Because I do think I do think that the Judeo-Christian God is is a real God and the God, right? I do yeah. believe that. And so, if I called myself a deist and then I said that, people would think I would I was lying to them. Why is that? Because deists imply kind of this more like somewhat new agey, somewhat separation from any like assumption about who God is, sure. right? So then when I say, well, I believe it's a Judeo-Christian God, every yeah. person, if I said I was a deist, would be like, why don't you just call yourself a Christian? That would be the immediate response. This is the problem with labels, right? Is it's like, I've taken on the label to communicate right. as clearly as I can and to own my opinions with my chest as much as possible. But here's the problem with labels. Labels are imperfect representations of people. So like if people get caught up on the labels themselves, that's fine, but that's your stuff. It's not my stuff. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And it's like, um, well, because it, it's like, does Christianity have a monopoly on believing in a personal God? Is that what this, like, is that what, is that the next question that I guess both of us would ask? Because, or let me ask you this, is there something about the New Testament about the way maybe it's the things Jesus said that you are particularly uh, attracted to. Maybe that's what it is. I think the, the nature of Christ, yeah, is uh, something that I'm particularly, particularly drawn to. Um, I think when you go through like the things that are like at least purported to be part of like Jesus's statements, they're super, they're consistently in, they're consistently applicable to like the human condition and it like maps onto experiences well outside of time, which is not unique to any like one single religion, obviously. Um, but like the nature of Christ, kind of his like willingness to be like a little bit spicy, um, to kind of fly in the face of assumptions of like the people around him and like the words and like nature that he gives is what like appeals to me. I maintain that I could be wrong. I could be wrong about all of it. It could be that Islamic faith is real and I'm wrong, right? I'm fucked. Uh, it could be that none of this is real and then it doesn't matter because we're all just dead in the grave anyways, right? Um, it is what's most live to me. Uh, and so when people like start pushing at me a ton, it's like, it's this interesting thing where it's like, I'm, I'm wholly willing to talk about like my thoughts, experience and the reasons why I've come to my theology. I don't, I don't care if you buy in. I'm not proselytizing. Uh, in fact, I almost never talk about my faith because I'm, I'm not proselytizing. I'm not interested in it. Sure, that's fair. Um, there was a question that I saw from somebody that was um, that I didn't want to miss on. It was a pretty interesting question. I'm trying to find it. Let's see. Here we go. Carrie Ann Chrysler says, "Do you find the organization of spirituality, religion, against the purpose of spirituality?" Um. In a lot of ways, I think a lot of religions get super like, regardless of what religion we're talking about, a lot of religions when they start out tend to be decently good, not all of them, but a lot of them. Uh, and then they get connected to like government institutions or military power and they get corrupted really, really quickly. And by corrupted, I mean, they seem to do bring less good into the world and bring increasing harm into the world. Um, so there definitely seems to be this connection, for example, like, uh, I'm very political and do political debating and commentary. I'm very opposed to church and state ever being blended. I think it is an abomination. I think it's wrong. I think it leads to worse outcomes. And I regularly vote uh, in ways that would be maybe opposed to my faith because I don't believe the government is there to exist as a religious institution or to have connection to it. Um, so I'm biased to agree with Carrie here. 
Um, but yeah, other people obviously have very different reasons for why they would disagree with me. Well, you're not like that's that's very true because in, for, to take Christianity for example, Christianity the evidence that we have of early Christianity is nothing like its practice today. Like the mm-hmm. early Christians were dropping out of society. Yeah. They were they were not worried about who the next emperor would be or like in mm-hmm. the context they would they wouldn't be worried about who's going to be the next president. Yeah. They sure as hell don't care about social shit. They are dropping out, they're going and living in the wilderness and they're going and starting their own little civilizations outside of society. Yeah. That's how the early Christians lived their lives. Yeah. And there was we even have Christians in the 4th and 5th century even when Christianity became part of the government like when it became a state religion you still have christians that are living on top of pillars for 20 years there's a guy mm-hmm. named simeon simeon of something i forgot the city he lived in he literally he was so devoted to his religion that he decided that he wanted to live on top of a pillar and beg for for food every day at people as people walk by he did it for right. 20 years and this was the type of shit Christ, like christianity when it started out was completely different than what it became and now it's like this political entity right so i think um that's interesting too but yeah yeah i agree i mean the way that you're characterizing the other churches is very accurate right um and that's why when i look at like mega churches and like christians trying to get their like dirty little fingers into like politics and trying to get like a christian leader in and like i argue with like christian nationalists all the time uh it just it's it feels like a bastardization of what this was ever meant to if you if you actually believe in like this faith what you're advocating for is just like an absolute bastardization of it. I don't understand. That's interesting that you see it that way. That's very uh, interesting. There's a question from Yaku. Thanks for the super chat. You ever thought to just have your own spiritual path and not call it Christian? I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to mean. So I'm notorious for being mean to chatters. I don't want to be mean to your chatters. Go ahead. You could do it. You could do it. I'm sorry. It's just. So when I was like 22 and to like probably like 26, 27, I had a big issue with labels. I was like, I don't like labels because labels suck because they don't box. Like they're not a representation of the individual. They're just like they capture like a couple of like topical things that fit into it. Right. If I say that I'm white, it doesn't tell you that much about me other than like my skin culture. You can make a couple of assumptions about my background. Um, the issue is like you're going to be wrong sometimes and sometimes you'll be right. This is the problem like with labels. And so I used to like want to reject all labels and just be like, oh, I'm just on like my own spiritual path. The issue is that especially if you're a public communicator, the moment that you do that, people are just like, okay, so you're just full of shit. There seems to be something about how people really want you to own labels um, because labels seem to be right now the way that people work. Would the world be better without labels? Maybe, but the human brain doesn't work that way. No matter what we do, we're going to have labels. We're going to be stuck with them. Our brains like heuristic and patternicity. And so I could just call it my own spiritual path, but then I'm telling you even less than if I just told you I'm Christian because I said I'm a Christian and now we're having an interesting conversation. If I said I just have my own spiritual path, probably none of this would have been as interesting. People wouldn't be sending you super chats and people wouldn't have a million questions for me so like i understand the proclivity to want to reject labels it's just like uh to me it's just like it's an empty pathway it, it will never you'll never arrive so it, it it's it, it's i'm just it's kind of interesting oh so by the way somebody in the chat asked the obviously they okay so you mentioned this in the beginning so i just want to make this for people who got here late yeah. I, I mischaracterized psychologists in the description. Can you just one more time just reiterate what your uh, educational background is? 
So I'll just do the simple labels, <laughs> labels, uh, licensed addictions counselor, uh, psychometrist or psychometrician. Those are like the two titles that I can functionally work with. Um, that's probably sufficient. So that's where I work in pursuing masters, not, not a registered anything as far as any of that stuff other than the addiction counselor. And, all, and you're still working towards your PhD eventually too. That's the dream. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just want to get that out of the way. Just some people came late and didn't hear you say that in the beginning. And that's yeah, my no fault. I, I did not. That that's was okay. my fault for getting that wrong. I will that's change okay. that after this is over. But I do want to get into this because I'm a recovering addict of five years now. Um, and I was. Congrats. Thank you. Um, and part of the process of recovering is 12 steps, finding <laughs> a higher power. Yeah. And, they, and, they, and they say, you, you know this, you can find your own mm -hmm. higher power. You can be whatever you want. Oh, spirituality and addictions is fascinating. Yeah. So what, what I want to know, like, why is it that in 2023, when people are addicted and they get into the, they get arrested or, they, you know, they get in front of a judge, the, the solution is like tied to spirituality. I don't, I don't think people realize that most people don't yeah. know that, but can you, you know, this, this is a, this is a mm -hmm. fact, like a judge will even say in a, yep. in, a, in a, in a, in a setting, in a courtroom will say, have you done your 12 step work? And right. by default, that means finding a God. Right. Yeah. So a lot of modern AA is trying to secularize and distance itself from old AA. So the reason why it's Christian in origin is because as much as people like to hate religious people, some of the main groups of people that work with populations that everyone wants to just like ignore and despair is oftentimes religious um, populations. That's why I would say in 2023, seeing the religious response to trans people is great evidence of like how fallen the church is, like how gross it is. Uh, because back in like 19, early 1900s, nobody wanted to talk about addicts. They just wanted them to go die in a hole. And the only people who really cared about them was other addicts. And a lot of addicts seemed to come to healing through a religious process. And that's why when they built the 12 steps, the 12 steps is basically like a bunch of people who had gotten sober and basically been like, this is what worked for us. Let's right. write it down, systematize it and give it to other people. And it worked for a lot of other people and it didn't work for actually a lot of people as well. So that's why there's like this tie-in. What's really interesting is the research about religious experiences and addiction. For example, um, there was a pilot study that was done and there's increasing DMT trials being done that shows that like people who have a psychedelic experience and they report having some sort of spiritual or psych or like religious experience can achieve sobriety, almost cold Turkey at a rate that we basically don't see in addiction. So to understand like addiction success rates, when you're talking about a treatment center, if your treatment center has about a 20% success rate of somebody maintaining sobriety for like five plus years, that's phenomenal. That center is probably like a nation leading center, 20%. Wow. And that means, so the 20% would be not a single relapse in five years, right? We could talk about how that there's some problems with assuming relapse is a failure, but. Um, right that that's the stat when we look at these dmt studies so it was done on people who had an average of about 25 years of chronic persistent use of nicotine and nicotine is actually notorious as the most difficult addiction to break right there'll be people who are like i did meth for 10 years broke that still can't stop smoking right like that's kind of like the like joke is like it's always the legal drugs that are the worst um what we saw is in some of these trials there was up to 80 percent cold turkey stopping and maintained um basically they maintained 
sobriety, no relapses. It, the follow-up was only nine months, but even 80% at nine months is unheard of. No other intervention. Well, if, you Just, get, if you can get past, if you can get to the nine month mark, you, you're probably more likely to keep it going at that point. Assuming no major. So the major tri triggers for uh, relapse after about the nine month to year is uh, a trauma related event. So some sort of like major negative thing or a mental illness incident. Those are the major triggers for uh, relapse. So yeah, as long as basically none of those things happen, a year is tends to be the sign of like, you're probably going to go continue on strong. So yeah, I mean, 80% is crazy. It's, it's unheard of. Um, and further trials have shown it's slightly lower. We're seeing more 60% and stuff like that. Um, but it's really interesting because again, when you look at like previous literature on people who successfully recovered and like when you ask recovered addicts a lot of time, what helped you, the spiritual religious theme comes up consistently and predictably. And it, it actually having a religious experience during recovery predicts sobriety, like statistically, right? It to did. a pretty large margin, pretty which is cool. crazy. Like, why is this? Why yeah. is it that this like white part of your brain is just being like, hello, I'm awake. Why is that changing everything for people? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, it's really. And also, I've had my experiences, plenty of experiences with DMT. Right. And that that right there. I When people talk about how DMT changes their life and, you know, other people like, we're like, oh, come on, I've done mushrooms. It isn't that big of a deal. It's like, no, no, this is something different. Like this shit right here rewires something. I don't know what yeah. it is. I have no idea. I'm not expert in this stuff. But whatever that shit was, it was life changing. Mm -hmm. like the next like it's immediate results and I, I wonder if where is the studies going in that is that is that something that people are still looking into right now yeah europe is doing a lot of it europe's a lot more open to dmt research in general uh, they're just a little bit less um like it's not they can move classifications of drugs it seems a little bit e easier in the eu um so there's a lot of dmt studies in europe and like london less in the states just because it's so hard to get an ethics board to agree to like hand out illicit substances for obvious reasons um so yeah it's it's super interesting and it maps on to what in many ways like people in aa have been talking about for years which is like it seems like this element of religious experience is critical for a lot of people attaining sobriety particularly when we're talking about chronic relapse prone addiction because that's a bit of a different beast versus somebody who's like my kid died I'm having a divorce and I'm stressed. So now I'm an alcoholic. Like that's more of like a stress related addiction that tends to improve when the stressors improve. Uh, we're talking about like chronic relapse prone where it's like everything can be going right in your life and you just can't stop picking up the drugs. Um, that's where re this religiosity and maybe DMT as well has profound effects. Um, this might be, you might, ha we don't have to answer this, but it'd be cool. Like the super chats by Samantha, have you done yeah. DMT and what happened? I haven't done DMT, so I've done like weed and stuff. Um, but when I, my first time I did edibles, I had like this awful like psychedelic experience where I just, uh, I have a brain injury, so I'm really sensitive to substances in just oh, in general. Wow. Yeah. And so I haven't aired into, I'd like, I'm open to trying it. It's just like, I had like two days of hallucinating the clown coming toward me. I've done weed since then and it's literally never been an issue, but I'm like, oh man, like the edibles were really strong. And so I just like, if I do DMT, I need to make sure I'm in like a really, because what mostly triggers your hallucinations in DMT is the like environment that you're in. Um, so I would need to make sure I'm in like a really good environment. I was not in a great environment to be trying edibles the first time either. We were like going outside and partying and like there's loud noises and weird stuff going on. So it's just a bad situation. <laughs> well, I, if you watch my channel for 
any period of time, you'll f- discover I've done it quite a few times. Um, mm-hmm. And the, uh, the 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 craziest experience that I ever had was the time where I broke through. They call it a breakthrough. And I didn't know what it was until it actually happened to me. Um, you what, what happens is you actually like leave the space that you're in. Like apparently, like it's what it looks like, or what it feels like, and every, you're in another place, and you just start going having crazy. The hallucin the hallucination I had was a deity that the only way to describe it is it looked like Brahma, the, the Hindu god, like mm-hmm. it had, had a, multiple hands, and it had a head that was spinning around. I saw that, and like take that with take that whatever however you want to take that. That's what happened. I yeah. also had another experience where me and my the ex girlfriend at the time. We were in the woods mm-hmm. and uh, I took a hit of DMT. She didn't. I took a hit of DMT and I had keys around my neck, um, like a lanyard because for the keys that were. And I looked down and the keys started shooting off like lightning bolts. And then I looked up and I saw what looked like Mickey Mouse. And he was pulling, pulling blankets over him like this, trying to get warm in the sky. Interesting. So that's just that's just two of them. I, I could I could have a whole hour discussion on the shit that I've seen on DMT. Yeah. But, but but all that aside, though, to be to get to get like serious, those for some reason coming out of those experiences does something where you all of a sudden had this like heightened um, heightened awareness of like I don't know like fullness like it's like this like i don't i I can't explain it i wish i can explain this in words but i can't but it it helped it helped my my depression it helped with a lot of shit Mm -hmm. long term like even to this day i'm not doing it anymore right those long-term effects are are still there yeah from from these experiences so i don't know what people whatever it is about dmt i really hope that these scientists experts really get into this shit because there's something there's something there Right. Yeah. My own experience. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It does seem to mimic these like really deep because what you're reporting is again, it's really akin to what people will experience when they have like really intense religious experiences where they're like, you know, they'll be like, you know, I felt the love of God and nothing's ever been the same ever since. And you'll actually see this. You can like track their behavior and like they'll be a very distinct and different person. And so it's like this question of like, what's going on here? Um, I think it's like, we we don't know how to crack it. I mean, the one thing I can say about neuroscience is that like the more you study neuroscience, the more you know that we know nothing about the brain. Um, it's it's a mystery. Um, we don't even know how to separate like, yeah, this is why like when I like look at neuroscientists, it's funny to me like talk about like materialism because it's like, it's really hard to look at the brain that creates like this emergent property called consciousness and go like, yeah, there's a material, like, it's like, where is it? What's causing consciousness? Where does it begin? Why does it exist? You know, um, I think it's a very interesting conversation. Right. It's like, why, why is there something rather than nothing? Mm-hmm. It's, one of, it's one of those questions that you will drive you nuts, but like, who, like what? It's all a mystery. It's all crazy. Um, thank you for that super chat. Max, the confessor with another one. Have you ever talked to anyone in the red pill space and in a church community with strong ecclesial discipline, I think most of them use it like a label. True. So my specialty on YouTube is talking in the red pill space. Uh, that's what I do. Uh, so yes, I have talked. And yeah, they they don't just use it as a label. They use it as a 
as a rock to get higher ground to like morally grandstand at people from and then continue to live in ways that like if they're actually religious they're like being like insanely heretical and like hedonic in like their in their actions so like Sneeko or uh Andrew Tate for example um very haram very naughty people <laughs> yes right and that's that's funny how that is but um yeah that's interesting thank you for that super chat as a fan of height do you think converts who have right-wing personality traits flock to traditionalism and rigorism or do you think the casualty is backward the causality do you think converts oh, who have a right-wing personality traits flock to traditionalism and rigorism or do you think the causality is backwards i think the causality is this is the issue with like personality causality is let's use let's use pretty people as an example so because of genetics pretty people have a like access to sorry i gotta pause my alerts they're gonna drive me fucking crazy i can't because my mouse died actually so i can't pause my alerts um okay there's this thing that occurs where an extrovert is more inclined to move into spaces that are going to reinforce them as an extrovert but the issue is that the more you move into these spaces that reinforce you as an extrovert the more extroverted you're also going to become right and so the causality is complicated because when we're talking about genes, specifically like right-wing personalities, most people grow up in a family that has the genetic mappings that are similar to their personality, but then also are going to offer them a very selected for social experience, right? So you're going to have kids born to right-wing people who have children who are going to have somewhat of the genetic Passover of personality traits from those parents, but then they're also because of their parents put immediately into probably more conservative spaces, which is going to reinforce these personality traits, which is going to create like this collection of increasing conservatism within them. So like the causality is unclear, right? Like when we are trying to talk about like nature versus nurture, to me, it's like you're missing the point already because it's always nature and nurture at all times and disentangling these two things is really complicated and difficult. Wow. That was interesting. Uh, one more from the Super Chatters. Thank you, Victor. Appreciate the Super Chats. Like I said, these Super Chats is what uh, keeps this channel alive. Neil, after those hallucinations... Oh, this is for me. Neil, after these hallucinations, will you write a book of Revelation? <laughs> no, I won't. But um, that would be... Uh, I've, 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 I'm, I've talked about it on the channel. I've, I've uh, given these experiences to... In video format, but I don't... <laughs> that's funny. Thank you for that. Thank you for the super chat. Um, so, you know, what I was thinking about for myself, I want to get your thoughts on this because when I, m my becoming, I didn't grow up in a religious family at all. Like we barely would go to church on Easter or Christmas. Like we'd have years where we'd skip. Like, yeah. That's how off, that's how, that's how not off we went. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, like this, the families that go twice a year. You're the Christians that the other regular Christians talk about. Yeah. Right. But we were, we were even less than that where we would, it'd be, it'd be Christmas and we would be like, do we really want to go? Nah, fuck it. We'll go next year. Like we would yeah. just skip. And yeah. so for me, it was getting, getting heavily, um, going down the path uh, that led me to being a drug addict and mm -hmm. opiate addiction, hardcore, starting off at lower tabs, going up to the, uh, Oxycontin and then eventually graduating to the phd level of heroin mm -hmm. and uh that landed me you know i went wound up in prison um for 18 months where became a but joined there's like a church in there right became mm -hmm. joined that whole movement like it's this cliche it's such a cliche thing for people to go to prison and become a muslim or a christian it's very very common thing that happens mm -hmm. I, was, I was one of those people 
But what it did for me, what it did for me is it made me feel special because it mm -hmm. made me say the rest of the world is damned. All my friends that I went to high school with that are getting married and having good jobs and buying houses, they're all a bunch of losers because they're all, those are worldly stuff. I'm mm -hmm. the chosen one. God yep. picked me to be saved out of all these people. The, the loser in prison that was addicted to drugs, I'm the saved one. They're all a bunch of losers. They're all lied to. The media's lying to them. You know, they're, they're, they don't know any better. Scientists are lying. Evolution's not real. And then I started to think that I'm special. I know I'm more than everyone else. There is something powerful about that. Yeah. That I didn't sanctity, see. The sanctity of suffering. Right? Yeah. Now, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that type of mentality? And um, yeah. Um, it makes me, I'm going to, I keep quoting Nietzsche. I really like Nietzsche. Um, obviously, just to be clear, I'm not a Nietzsche expert. And every Nietzsche expert will tell you that nobody can agree about what Nietzsche is saying or believes. But when Nietzsche talks about like the slave morality, which is like the Christian morality, right? Antichrist. Yeah. Yeah. He talks about, and because Nietzsche, the issue with Nietzsche is he doesn't really say a lot. He just criticizes everyone and his criticisms are apt. They're good he criticisms. Like, he was like the Tupac of, of his time. He was just <laughs> he was dissing everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Right. He was dissing everybody constantly. Yeah. And the issue is like, he was very good at pinpointing precisely like what is going on and he was very accurate at the labels right and so what you're describing here is very much like akin to that right where you go into like really poor impoverished areas uh, we see this as well in like even like areas like china or like the ussr when like religious thought is persecuted and crushed more that's when you see actually start seeing explosions of underground faith where you have more people converting than probably would have otherwise if you just to let them do whatever they wanted to, right? Um, this is why there's like a massive explosion of Christianity within China right now. Uh, it's like in part of the underground church. Um, I think it's very akin to this. And there's there's good things and there's bad things going on, right? I think I think what religion offers a lot of people is like hope in a state where hope is almost impossible to find. And I think a lot of people, like when they look at religion, they'll be like, oh, hope, yeah, just emotional crutches. And it's like, hope for the most part is one of the only things that matters. Like hope and joy are like, that is what people talk about. That's what people on their deathbed talk about being the most important. So you don't want to dismiss this shit easily. It's not a small thing. That's something consistently, consistently and repeatedly gives people a sense of hope and joy. The issue is that internalized shame often becomes outward blame and so like there's a good part of this religiousness which is like giving people hope in a situation that's destitute that it feels like society's forgotten them and that there is nothing else for them i think that that's a good thing but then on the flip side you have this kind of like slave morality where you're being like i'm better than you because i'm suffering and you're not right that like the actual like sanctity of the suffering right and it's very it's very it's like a perversion of it because it's this very vitriolic, vengeful, resentful kind of spite where you're feeling good because you're feeling resentful of these people. And I think like resentment is like the ultimate killer. Uh, if like hope is like the life giver, then like resentment is like the life stealer. Um, I think it's really, really bad. And so what we see in a lot of these religious spaces is it like starts with them being like, we're gonna give you hope and light and that's good. And then somehow it gets like twisted at some point into like, the the vengefulness and the resentment and that's dark and that's toxic and that's not good um and it's very interesting that in religious spaces these two things kind of seem to go hand in hand and it's hard to figure out how to have the religious 
collection and group of people and institution without it turning into this like gross part and just maintaining like the hope and the light and the love and the joy. But then you have, because here's the thing that I had to throw out there. The fundamentalists are right in the fact that they're, what they're doing is they're taking the text and they're actually correctly applying it to society. And they're like, if the world, like, I, I know, I know you talked about this, like, it's, it's stupid to say the world's 6,000 years old and evolution is not real, but like, into the, in the mind of the fundamentalist, it's like, no, this is what the Bible says. It's either true or it's not. <laughs> That's so, like, if I read a Dr. Seuss book and I was like, but ham is green. It says it right here. It's like, bro, you're missing the point of the, it's like, you know, when you tell a pe person a joke and then they're like, like. Uh, it, there's a movie recently where a guy goes, what's up your sleeve? And the guy responds, my arm. It's like, unironically, that's what Christians are doing with, with the book, where they're just being like, but the book says. And you're like, do you not understand poetry? Like, do you, just, whew, just going over your head. Just, just not there. You're just not understanding. Or they're being like, yeah, but the book said to do this thing didactically. And it's like, that's not even what the oral tradition is at all. Like, at all. Like, sure. you're, you're just missing it. But how far how far can you go with that when you have like revelation saying that the world's going to end, that Jesus is going to come back and, and kill everybody, basically, and that's going to be and then only the Christians are going to be the left and everyone's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Like how, how much do you how much poetry do we have to it's just poetry, but like even that is being poetry. Like, how do you deal with that? Like, what, at some point we have to say, is this text even legit anymore? Even is poetry? uh sure I, I think there are things that you can say like what like when you talk about revelation what's the purpose of it <laughs> who the fuck knows right that's probably unironically him having a bad dmt trip okay he was like stressed out his girlfriend just broke up with him he took some dmt and he just pictured like horses coming down and killing him and he wrote it you know like there's there's a lot revelation is uh, who the fuck knows like I'm sure you know, secular Bible scholars don't know what to do with revelations as a book. So like, for example, if a fundamentalist took that and they're like, so, you know, I should be really mean to non-Christians. I'll be like, what part of revelations? First of all, even if we took it didactically, it's Jesus killing all these people, not you, motherfucker. Like, shut the fuck up. What are you, why are you even talking? Why are you even running your mouth, right? Second of all, it, it's just, it feels like as a Christian, if your fixation to justify just being mean comes from like a couple of like key poetic books and that's it, it feels to me like if you actually believe in this like infinite God that divinely created this thing and is complicated and sophisticated enough to like make life, why would you read his book with like the reading comprehension of a grade four uh, reading test. Like, I, it doesn't feel like the right approach to something if you believe it to be infinite um, and complex and all-knowing. It feels like deeply wrong. Sure. And then you have you also get people that will say, like, you know, we're just cherry-picking with the verses that we like and dismissing the other ones. There's all, what do you, like, don't you think there's some there's some layer that there, that's kind of that play, too? I just think fundamental. Uh, so, I think fundamentalists are wrong. I don't think they're right. I don't think they're rightly interpreting the Bible at all. I think they're deeply wrong. I think they're heretical in their interpretation of the Bible. So like anything that they'll use to justify their behavior from the book, I'm inclined to almost flat out disagree with because I think that the way that fundamentalists engage with the book is the problem itself. So any justification of behavior on top of that, I, I'm not even interested in hearing it because you're not even, you're not even engaging with the text correctly.
Um, okay. Let me just pull up. I just wanted to get your thoughts on one something. Like, because, you know, there's, there's type, there's type of, there's, there's tons of passages. And like, we could just go like just to Jesus, for example. Let's forget about Old Testament, Deuteronomy, all that, that mm-hmm. crazy stuff about like, if you lay with another man, you should be put to death. Let's, let's ignore all that. Let's say that's all old stuff. Let's stick with the new. You still have Jesus saying like, this world is evil. And this is something to reject. Like this world. And like that mentality can be like, so detrimental for like climate change for example like screw this world we're going to heaven who cares don't you think that that there's something that should be that, that that's something we should be looking at and 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 getting you know opposing actually i don't know i think when christ is talking about how the world is evil i think it's evil in the way that every, like christ isn't talking about climate change he's not talking about politics right if you use saying sure. this world is evil as a way to just be like fuck it who cares about taking care of the world like Christ is almost always talking about like heavenly versus like worldly things. Heavenly things are like morals. Worldly things are things like climate change, right? If the world hates you, keep in mind, like Christ is almost always talking about heavenly things. He's talking about morality. He's talking about philosophy. He's talking about like these kind of like these more like abstract concepts and the way like Aristotle is talking about the same types of concepts, right? And so when he says things like the world is evil, in many ways it is, right? Like when you look at the world and you see like the terror out there, you see like infants, uh, like sexual assault rates of women. When you look at things like the amount of rape kits that's been tested, the amount of unsolved murders, the amount of like abuse that occurs in the world, the amount of people, like even just like in small ways, like how small business owners are just kind of like always willing to like do bad things. Like in many ways, like when you're talking about like these heavenly things versus earthly things, when you're using this script to justify like why you should care about like earthly pursuits or stuff, you're like, you're, you're already missing it. Earthly things are like trivial pursuits, like job, career, money. Sure. But I mean, yeah, but I'm, but what I'm, what I'm saying is like the, the Christians that are reading this text, there, there's nothing. It's not like Jesus is saying to take care of the world or like, you know, it's if anything, you, you can either be neutral on like we should be, you know, treat like, you know, be, be progressive in, in matters of climate change or just forget about it. Who cares? Do whatever we want because we're all going to heaven anyway. Well, Christ, again, the heavenly principle here would be like things like stewardship. Like Christ talks about being a good steward all the time, about how you should like take care of things. You should be mindful of the like, spaces that you're in. You should respect Caesar. You should respect the cultures of the people around you, right? Like he's constantly talking about good stewardship. I don't know in what world where you would use like Christ talking about like good stewardship and be like, so yeah, you should just greedily take advantage of the world, kill as many animals, dump as much oil as you want anywhere. Like nowhere in that would I say that's good stewardship. Sure. Uh, Mary Smith says, is religion just a crutch for death anxiety? This is a really good question, I think. Um, it doesn't seem to be. Uh, it seems like death is able to be come to like a pace, place of speed place of peace regardless of religion um i also think that to call it a crutch for death anxiety would be like calling therapy a crutch for depression or calling like any sort of thing that helps you like process narratively and understand your world a crutch for integration i think you're like it feels 
it feels like you're dissecting the bird to find the song when you're talking about things in this way, right? When you're talking about a religious person and the reason why they come to it, I would guess most religious people would, would say, I'm not just Christian so that I can like go to heaven, right? Because most people probably agree, that seems like a pretty selfish reason to be a Christian, right? That seems like not the point, right? So for some, is it probably? Um, but I think if you're trying to look at the fact that like religion is emerged universally in multiple cultures, I think if you just try to analyze it as like, is it just like a crutch for death anxiety? You're like missing like 95% of the story of like why humanity seems to repeatedly and consistently come back to like religious um, inclinations. I actually think that Mary's question is on the money because the one common denominator across the board with every religion is that in some way it is telling you that you're like do these things and do X and then the result will be, you know, a better reincarnation situation or a heaven or some sort of afterlife. And like, that seems to be what keeps people there. Like for like the, the churches that I was going to, uh, the church, I'll give you an example. The church I went to, there was a pastor who just would just make shit up. He was not, he was not being biblically accurate. He was not being historically accurate. He was just saying things to get people to feel better about this situation that we're in. And people at, and, and the people in the crowd are not challenging him or thinking or wondering if he's right or wrong. They are going there hoping to hear something to give them that, like, yeah, you're fine. You're all going to heaven. You guys are chosen. You guys are the saved. You guys are whatever. And, like, so the pastor has that power over the crowd. Where they they're they're there they're they're there to hear from him. Tell us it's all going to be okay. Uh, I I think I think that's that's legit. I think that's part of part of the. Deal. I just there's so many religions that don't have salvation that like I just I just think I just have to reject this premise. Like there's tons of religions, right? Like the uh, the Greek pantheon, for example. There's no there's no afterlife. There's nothing really talked about with that. There's tons of forms of like ancient shamanism, for example, where like death is final and obsolete. You can find that still uh, like in like Papua New Guinea and stuff like that. And so, like this idea of like a like even like paradise, like part of it is like death, a crutch, a crutch for a death anxiety would imply that there's like a paradise. There's also tons of religions that have an afterlife. And it's like, you don't really go into, into heaven. It's just like in everyone else's hands. Like, so there's so many ways that religions approach death that like the idea that it's just a crutch. I think that's actually like kind of Christian centric, especially if you're rejecting religion, right? It's a Christian centric assumption about like what religion is to a lot of peoples. Um, because in like some religions, everyone goes to Hades and like Hades is not exactly like utopia necessarily. Um, what religions seem to do functionally is it unifies people. Um, I think why people tend to move towards religion is it helps order their world. It gives them a sense of meaning and it gives them a sense of connection to other people around them. Yeah, no, I, that's a fair point. Like I, I've said this a million times. I'll say it a million more times. I'm totally pro people having spiritual. Like I, I actually want to bring back paganism if I could. Like I would really like to see other options in the world of religion where somebody instead of having to choose between Orthodox, Catholic, and Baptist or Evangelical, somebody can say, "Oh, there's a temple of Athena right here. Oh, there's a temple of Bacchus over there. Oh, here, there's a." I would that I would rather see that in, at play than what there what's out there today, and so yeah, I, I was kind of I guess the question was more towards like the Judeo Christian religions more than the other ones, but yeah. 
Sure. I mean, I don't know if Islam is going to be the best. I mean, there's a lot of Judeo-Christian like religions, even then, where like heaven is certainly not guaranteed. Uh, it's like the best you hope to, hope to you aspire for it, but it's like, are you saved? Are you not? Um, so the idea that it's just like this crutch really is, it it feels like a, an attempt to, I could be wrong. I don't know about Mary because I don't, I don't know what's going on in Mary's mind, but it feels like an attempt to dismiss something that is like been fundamentally like unifying and essential to like the human condition for like thousands of years um, in a way that's very modernistic and self-serving. Um, it's just, it's the wrong, it, to me, it feels like the wrong question to be asking. Are, are you, you know, a universalist is or no? Uh, no, I'm not familiar. It's somebody who thinks it's somebody who's a identifies as Christian, but thinks that everybody will eventually be saved by the grace. Mm, yeah. Are, do you identify with that type of thinking or do you think that people are, do you think there are people who are damned? Uh, so I just finally bought into the idea of like heaven and hell. Uh, I basically give the like pretty, like I, it's probably the boring answer, but I think it's the most correct answer is who the hell knows who's going where. Right. Um, like literally Christ says regularly that we don't even know. I think that that's infinitely best left up to like there. Um, I don't really care about heaven and hell either. Like I, I didn't even know if I believed in it like firmly until my husband's like, well, I feel like that's kind of essential. Like, don't you have to believe in it? And I was like, I guess so. I just don't care. I don't care about that. That's not, that's not why I have my faith at all. I like am never thinking about the afterlife. So probably are people damned? Probably theoretically, I would assume so. But like the answer of like who those people are, why they are, what the damning looks like, I'm not super clear on. Um, and I really think it's anytime a human starts giving the answer of who is damned and who isn't damned, I think is again, stepping into a space that they shouldn't, if you believe in like a Judeo-Christian God. There was a, there's an ancient group of Jews that from the second temple period known as the Sadducees, they were the priests, they <laughs> oh, were the yeah. priests of the temple. They, they actually had no say in the afterlife. They had no, there's no material. Yep. They wrote nothing down about it. They didn't claim anything. They didn't say these people go here. Those people go there. They yep. said absolutely nothing about it to the point where scholars today or not scholars today, uh, like Christians today, people who are critical of that will call yep. them atheists. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's funny because me and my husband joke like uh, we fight a lot of Christians and we basically tell them like, you're the Pharisees, right? You are the Pharisees. And they're like, yeah, well, you're the Sadducees. And I'm like, that's true. I'm at risk of being a Sadducee at all times. I realize that. But who does Christ condemn more? Okay, the Sadducees, he like eye rolls and basically tells them to go touch grass, right? They'll be like, if I go to heaven, am I married to my first wife or my second wife? And Jesus is like, brah you're missing the point of this shit, right? That's not the point. Whereas with like Pharisees is like, you are damning people to hell. Like their blood is on your hands. You're a snake, you're a viper. I would crush you under my heel. Like, so I'm like, I'd prefer to be a Sadducee if I have to be any. For me, salvation is like, my concern for my brother's salvation is not my responsibility. The best that I can do is like, try to act Christ-like, try to like embody it and answer questions when people have it. But at the end of the day, like somebody's journey in faith and like where they end up isn't my responsibility. Thank God. And any Christian out there saying explicitly like trans people go to hell is actually doing a big bad no-no no -no, according to their own book. You're not supposed to do that at all according to their own belief. I would love to see you debate a fundamentalist on this stuff. It'd be interesting to watch. You can find it. There's a couple of my debates in the. Oh, really? I'll have to check yeah. this out. I'll have to check yeah. this out. Uh, Caterpillar, the, the super chat for the Tupac Nietzsche reference, my friend, but bug love to all. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of true, though. I mean, if you read, if you read the, the Antichrist, um, what else does he have? Uh, like, um, 
I'm trying to think. Well, the one where he's really he's really going after people is um, hold on, I got. I'm having a. Let me just look him up real quick. There's, there, like the the Antichrist, he's just kind of talking about Christianity and how it has the slave morality thing. But the um, not birth of tragedy, the gay science that one, that mm. one, he's just dissing the shit out of everybody, left and right. Every paragraph is about someone else, and it's all the contemporary thinkers of his time, just mm. le- left and right. Thus spoke there Zarathustra. That one, he's a lot little goes a little deeper, and but he doesn't like call people out by name in that one. But yeah. he's still call he's still going after everybody. Like you know, you like he, that's a good one too. But um, yeah, I I, I think that's a really good comparison because that's what he was doing he was just calling everybody out like yeah. it was kind of it's kind of interesting read for, for someone today to look at that but thanks for that super chat uh let's see what else we got max the confessor says if lib christians are orthodox why do apost apostolic churches endorse symphonia strict sexual ethics you disagree with they're also doing spiritual and and now an illogical interpretation. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what you just said, Max. That was right over my head. Wait, uh, lib- liberal Christians are orthodox. Why do apostolic churches endorse? Sim- I don't know what symphonia is. What does that mean? <laughs> so I have a chatter in my community. Um, I won't name his names, but he's notorious for writing long winded wordy sentences and questions that don't really make sense. Um, so I don't know if this is the same thing, but uh, I'm not really. Well, I know I, this is not that. I know who Max is, but this is no, I don't think that's that. But um, are, they're also doing spiritual. Endorse music, unison, strict sexual ethics, etc. If you disagree with, they're also doing spiritual analogical interpretation. Uh, Let's see if Max said anything on the bottom. No, bruh. <laughs> Max, can you can you uh, translate this in the dumbed down level for me, please? Oh, symphonia equals symphony between church and state. Oh, endorse. So, okay, let's reread this. Why do apostolic churches endorse church and state, strict sexual ethics, etc.? You disagree with? They're also doing spiritual analogical. Um, so I think you have to understand, so if you're talking about like the North American church, you have to understand like Protestant Orthodox specifically and like where it's derived from because Protestant, like, cause you do a lot of like ancient stuff. I could be wrong, but my understanding is you look a lot into like the ancients and history oh, yeah. and like what oh, yeah. they believed. Protestantism is like super baby new and they really have abandoned like all of the ancient Catholic traditions. So a right. lot of like Protestant Orthodoxy is kind of weird because it's like they just like made it up like 200 years ago um and they just feel like it's like like even fundamentalism is basically a new thing that's heretical in most christian believe believe it or not it's actually a result of the enlightenment because the enlightenment started pushing a lot of this these criticisms at the bible and as a result as a response to that you have a fundamentalist movement coming out of it saying, well, then it's all true then. Then it's all, if, it, if you guys are going to say it's not true because, you know, the world's older than 6,000 years old or now we have evolution, evolution theory or now we think this or now we think that, well, then it must be true because God said it. Right. So they, then they make that the axis upon how to just, and they make this unfalsifiable axis of like, if it's in the Bible, it's true. Therefore it's in, therefore it's true because it's in the Bible. 
right like circular thinking that they, that they yeah, yeah and it's it's the weird right. part the weird part about protestants is they just abandoned all of the tradition of like catholics for example and the eastern orthodox they were just like screw this shit yeah and so like all of our orthodoxy in protestant land is like derived from like recent anagogue interpretations of the bible that like people decided like 150 to like 200 years ago and so it's like <sighs> protestantism is strange in like all of the ways like the symphonian the strict sexual ethics and stuff that i disagree with um to, to i think answer your question is like we just invented new traditions and replaced old traditions and then called it orthodoxy now right we just protested a bunch of stuff that the catholic church did some of which i think was valid and then we invented new traditions and we pretended like they were always and will forever be what is right and we see this in religious schisms in multiple religions constantly. Um, that's why when we're talking about like theological stuff, I try to couch it really heavily in like, this is my interpretation. These are the reasons why I think this, I could be wrong. Uh, particularly when we talk about like religious stuff and like metaphysical things that can't be known. We're just like kind of theorizing about it. Um, I think we have to be really careful uh, just in general. So yeah. Thank you for that. Um... And I don't pretend that my interpretations of faith are orthodoxy. I'm not pretending like I'm objectively right and it is no, what it. Christ is saying, you know? Well, so that's, well, that's the, the question of like, I think Max is being like, why are you doing this thing that, you know, lib Christians are also doing, like the Protestants are doing that is bad. And it's like, I'm not, because I'm not saying that what I'm saying is objectively true and all these sort of things. But I think most secular people would agree, for example, that you like probably shouldn't interpret the Old Testament through like a modern didactic lens that's like not that's not that's not how old ancient eastern texts work yeah um and a lot of the a lot of the put like the protestant stuff was pushing back against you know the church saying you know pay us money and we'll get your aunt out of hell or out right. of purgatory into heaven and they're mm -hmm. basically saying like where is that in the bible so like that becomes mm -hmm. anything that's not in the Bible should not be said in church. It's got to be in the text. And that's that's like the whole shtick of Protestants is like, if it's not in the text, let's not talk about it. But right. they they um they get they become very hypocritical in that sense because they still yes. believe in the Trinity. They still believe in there's still there's still concepts in the New Testament that aren't necessarily in the text that they think is there. And they'll they'll read into the text however they want to read it. And they'll find things like the the idea of Jesus going down into hell and preaching, and it's not in the text at all. But Protestants still think it happened, so they'll right. find little passages and say, "Well, that looks similar, so that must be where they got it from." Right, like sola scriptura is like this weird new Protestant thing, right? Um, that is super frustrating because whenever, so this is like when I call myself a Christian, all I have to deal with constantly is people being like, well, what about Protestant orthodoxy? And it's super interesting because a lot of people in North America were very anti-religious and very opposed to like a modern Christian lens. A lot of their opposition runs from Protestant orthodoxy that they just like made up 150 years ago and isn't actually necessarily inherent to the faith at all. Protestants are just pretending like it is, right? Like sola scriptura and or the idea of accepting Jesus into your heart, standard Protestant practice where they do like the calls of like, you just got to accept Jesus in your heart. What? That was never done. The Catholics don't do that. That's a very new Protestant weirdo thing. And they act like it's essential, right? Protestants will be like, well, have you ever accepted Jesus into your heart? Do you know the date and time? And it's like, that 
was never how faith worked ever historically. Why did we just make this shit up? And so it's interesting when I talk to like anti-theist people, it's why I actually like using the label now as Christian is because I get to dismantle bad Christ Protestant orthodoxy constantly. So it's the symphonia. I think he's talking about like the, you said he was about like uh, Christian nationalist state kind of stuff. Jesus was explicitly never preaching for any form of like theocracy or Christian nationalist state ever. In fact, part of why the Jews hated him was because he was very opposed to like being in a political position or like uniting kingdoms to like physically revolt against the Romans. Um, so yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. And like the idea of like believing in the, f let the by the way, thank you for the super sticker. And I appreciate that. But like, if we're going to, if we're going to play that game, like mm -hmm. oh it's, if it's in the text it has to be in the text well then like the idea of salvation itself should be questioned because when even jesus has asked how to get to heaven i mean he, <laughs> i know i not, know he's not saying believe in my death and resurrection he doesn't say that he's right. saying do good things be nice be blah 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 blah, blah. like yeah. he's telling people to follow the commandments all that stuff and yeah. all of a sudden like after Paul, after the church, after all this, after all the dust settles, it becomes about believing in his resurrection. Right. As, as if like, this is what I wanted to, this is actually something I want to ask you about. It's like, what is it that like, where, where is the, they say like faith is virtue and stuff like that. Like, what is it about a, believing in an event that happened 2000 years ago that makes you better than someone else or more qualifiable you're into this what's the whole what's that whole thing about it's such a i don't know thing. you're preaching to the choir here i mean this is why i say i'm the christian that like every christian likes to disown and call a heretic I'm, i mean i'm sure in my chat right now because i have a couple of christians they're probably calling me a heretic uh or thinking i'm a heretic the fact that i openly say to people i'm 90 percent sure about my belief but i i could be wrong christians are like what do you mean I'm like, how, how can I even pretend to have faith if I don't realize that I could be wrong? Isn't that the point of faith is that I'm standing at the edge of the cliff and somebody's like, you could fall. And then Christ is on the other side. And he's being like, promise you, you won't. And I'm being like, I could fall. And they're like, yeah, but you won't. And it's like, okay, I'm a step anyways. That's what faith is. If faith isn't like walking on a bridge and he's like, Jesus is like, don't worry. I built that bridge literally two years ago. Here are my seals of approval from the engineer. It's built really solidly. You're not going to fall. Like that's not faith. That's just called belief. That's like believing in gravity. It's like self-evident, right? And yeah. I don't know. I don't, don't get me started on my Protestant hate. I'm just going to well, make every Protestant silly. in the world it's hate silly me. <laughs> because it's more, it's not even like you're doing anything special. You're just aligning yourself with a set of ideas. You're saying, yeah. you're saying, okay, that my pastor told me I have to believe X for to go to heaven. Okay. I believe it. Fine. Like, do you, yeah. but, like you didn't, you didn't go back in time to see if it actually happened. You don't know if it happened or not. You just, you just decided to believe it. Like yeah. you're not actually doing anything in particular to like, do, you're not doing anything. You're just, just saying words, right? Like, like magic words at that point, say the magic words and you're going like, it's yeah. so silly. When you Except Jesus, that. just get some water on your head and you're good. Right. The Catholics yeah. have like, as long as you've had some water on your head, you're good. And it's like, oh, is that the point? I don't know about that. It's, it's interesting. Kayla, do you agree that being a Christian evangelical is actually very traumatic? It's all about fear. Uh, it's Kyla, but uh, it's about KYLA. Kyla, I keep doing that. It's I'll, okay. I'll, I'll mention I, was, it. I was bullied ruthlessly by a, a girl named Kayla, so I have I have trauma. Oh, I'm, sorry, I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's a true story, but also I'm making a joke. Um, it's traumatic for a lot of people, particularly for people who don't fit the perfect Christian mold, right? So, like, 
for some people, it can be a really good experience. They just like, they fit pretty well. They're not really people who want to think. They're just like pretty content to be like handed ideas. They like want to have 2.5 children, marry a guy, have a white picket fence, live a super normal life. Like for some people, it does work really well. The issue is like for people who it doesn't work well for, it's like the nature of the way that we approach especially fundamentalist type faith, like Protestant faith, is inherently traumatic because we're acting like these things are didactically so. It is simple. It is solved already, right? And if you don't fit into the box, it's a problem with you. And not only are you a problem as an individual, but the infinite God himself hates you and is rejecting you. And it's like, they're like, it's a traumatic to get your family to reject you. Imagine like genuinely believing in an infinite God and feeling like that infinite God looks at you and is just like, ugh, like what, what happened there? It's no one acts like you're loved. They just pay lip service. They like talk about how we like love the sin, but not the sinner. And then they'll treat anyone that they disagree with horrifically, right? The way that Christians are comfortable talking about like transgender people, for example, disgusts me. The way that they're comfortable talking about gay people is disgusting. It's abhorrent, right? If you're all about love, I'm sorry. Love is not being brutal and nasty to people, even if you think they're wrong. Because if you think that somebody needs correction, A, take the plank out of your own eye first. It is not your role, right? This is why, like, for example, I think it's really important that Christians remember that even in the book itself, it's very cautious of, like, when you should ever confront people, which is very rarely, and you should rely on Christ's conviction in their heart first and foremost, right? And yet Christians will just, like, constantly be going to each other and, like, people outside of their group, non-Christians, and just telling them that they're evil. And it's like, bro, you're, you're missing all of this. The whole point of the faith is that God wants you to look inside and deal with the ugliness there. That's it. And maybe once you've gotten past of all of your own ugliness, you can look elsewhere. But then he asks, like, who can cast the first stone? And guess what? No one can. Right? That's, that's the whole point of this stuff, is that, like, your internal self-work with you and Christ is forever. Right? That's the point of it. It's the journey. Interesting. Um, somebody just asked, what's the best best way what does the guest think is the best way to find a counselor like a therapist i would i want i mean probably like i think you're free it's for you drug counselor right sorry i guess it'd be like a drug counselor maybe um so my if you want to uh elaborate on that that'd be cool so i offer a therapy finding service which is where i'm wondering if this question comes from i actually have a video on it um it's going to be my personal opinion i'm just as, so I'm really critical of my in-groups, okay? That's that's why I'm not popular, is because I have a lot more criticisms for my in-groups and my out-groups. This is where I spend more time shit-talking Christians and other people. I have a video on how to find a therapist. Um, it's decently, uh, it's I think it's good. Some people have feelings about it. Like I closer or is it way, down, way more down? Uh, I basically, you'd have to search it. It's oh. what, quite a waste, because we do tons. We do like five therapy. days a week, so. Do therapy would yeah. work? Yeah, do therapy, it should come up. There it is. Nice. I'm very not comfortable with licensed clinical social workers offering offering therapy. So, uh, but I cover the process that I use to find people. I don't go into full detail in the video, um, just because of the cases that I used as an example. I wanted to be they were real people, so I wanted to protect like their privacy as much as possible. So yeah. I didn't pull up like 
people's websites, but I usually start with psychology today with your city, your insurance, start going through. I only look at psychologists and licensed professional counselors. Um, unless you're having interpersonal like relationship issues, licensed marriage family therapists are brilliant with that type of stuff, like family relationship issues. They're really, really trained at it. Um, I would recommend them actually before a psychologist a lot of the time. So like if you have couples issues, anything like that, um, they're super great. So I go through it. I outline like why I do what I do and my process. Um, but it's a 20 minute video, so I probably could cover everything right now. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Looks like you got some good editing going too. That's a nice uh, quality. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to, if you don't mind, I'll just let that sit there in the background so people know your channel's out there um, for the next super chat for just for a couple minutes. Um, Mneg, thanks for the super chat. Everything you said can be done way outside God, Christ, religion, right? Yeah. A lot is. of it, for the most part, seems to be the case. Um, there's a couple things that are hard, like creating community without some sort of like religion or nationalism seems really hard to do in our like age. I'm not convinced that we'll never find something else, um, but like our community crisis is very connected to our like leaving of the church and stuff like that um, and technology. But yeah, a lot of it can be done outside of religion. Um, oh shit, you have more people watching you, me on your channel than my channel. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Guys, go to his channel, Meanies. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. It's just funny. I didn't even know you were, I forgot that you were doing it on your end too. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, subscribe to me, guys. Everyone, everyone over there, subscribe to me, please. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, what was I going to say? So I was because the last thing I wanted to ask you about is like the idea of like other religions getting at the same thing that you're getting at, like to look inside yourself, to better yourself, to make the world better, that type of stuff. Instead of having this like you have to pick this religion or else you're doomed. What mm. are you, you know, what is, is that a fair thing for someone to say? No, <laughs> I think I think one thing that's really special to me about faith is when I think about like my faith, it is it is the most foundational piece to my life. There's nothing in my life that exists that doesn't stem from my faith. And because of that, it is like a thumbprint. It is so unique and personalized and personal that this idea of like going to other people first of all most christians go to other people acting like noah right they're going to other people with no calling right they're like acting like jonah they're going to nineveh telling everyone that they're fucking dirty whores and sluts and damned for no reason and then feeling good about it i think that that's cringe i think like one of the best things you can do is like i think the really essential part of the faith and something that's really unifying is a whole group of people motivated at just at just looking at themselves and trying to self-improve. In the case of an religious thing, having some sort of discussion or dialogue with what they perceive to be like the infinite God to arrive at like ideally the best versions of themselves that's doing the most good in the world. I think if you have a community built around that, I can't imagine a better community. Um, I just think the process by which like people journey to this like has to be let left to that person right so like when people tell me like i fell away from my faith and i don't believe in god anymore i'm like that's fair like that that's that's just yours right it's the same maybe this comes from like my therapeutic background but it's like and very much like i kind of say like people are on a journey and you get to do that any way it looks like and i don't get to tell you like 
that what my journey looks like must be yours. Um, that's silly. Uh, it's really bad advice. Um, I think people should try to strive for things that make them happy, find joy, find meaning, and that helps them bring some of those things to a couple of other people in their life as well. Um, and ideally doesn't harm society at the same time, because I don't think cults collected around like eating, cannibalizing people is a good thing, even if it makes them happy. Um, right. I don't know. I think that that's like what's most important. And it's really sad to me that obviously in the case of Christians, but I think a lot of religions have like lost the plot on this. And it's unfortunate because uh, I think religion can bring a lot of joy to people. And I understand why it doesn't for most people right now. Is that, is that what, is that, for, can you say for yourself, is it, it gives you purpose, it gives you fulfillment, your religion? Or are you, it gives, whatever you want to call it, religion, spiritual, I don't know what you, what do you call it, you call it religion still, or no? I, yeah, I think I have to, I, like, I don't go to church, so it's a little bit weird, because they, like, assume that I'm, like, part of an institution. Um, so spirituality is probably slightly more accurate for how people, like, use the words. Um, yeah, I, it's, it is the core of everything. It's like the, it's the core memory that all everything else is built off of. And wow. uh, it's interesting because when I was a fundy Christian, I would say my faith was just as strong. Like I still believed in God to the same level that I do, but my faith brought me a lot of pain. Whereas like now my faith is constantly like the beam of light, despite anything in my life of being like, you know what? I. I think there's this infinite God who's filled with love and he loves me enough to like care. And so like whenever I'm like in a self-loathing state or struggling or anxious, it's like, there's something nice to go back to being like this God that I believe in loves me. So like, maybe I'm worth loving myself. Like maybe I'm worth, maybe it's worth trying. And I think like, that's the, like, the crux of hope. And can you achieve that outside of God? Yeah, probably. Um, does that mean that I'm obviously right? No, uh, but I, I, I don't know how you have my life experiences and go, yeah, fuck God. Like I just, it doesn't map on to like the very personal experiences that I've had, basically. That's what it comes down to, I think, for most people is uh, it's usually personal. It's not like most people that hold on to a belief is not because they think the evidence is so great. They're, right. It's more like I had a personal experience that I can't explain that I'm not even going to tell you because you're not going to believe me. This is what... I experienced it was yep. crazy. It changed my life forever. Yep. You, you can believe me or not, but it happened. Yeah. And I've had like four of those every time, every time I'm like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm going to be a good science girl. <laughs> I have one of these events and I'm like, nah, fuck. <laughs> I can't walk away from my faith again. Uh, but like it, I, I just can't. Yeah. No. And I, I'll, that's one thing that I, my, me personally, I get, cause I've, I've experienced those myself, mm -hmm. even though I still don't, even though I'm on, I, I guess you would call uh, by definition, I can be called an atheist because mm -hmm. I don't believe any of the religions are correct. I don't think any of the gods that we humans came up with are exist, but I'm also at the same time, I'm open to thinking that there's something beyond this, whatever this, this reality is that we're in. Mm -hmm. I'm very open to that. I'm not saying I'm not closed off to it. I'm not what they call a Gnostic atheist that says right. that I know there's no God and we're all doomed. I don't say that. Right. I don't. And I'm not like, and I'm not an anti-theist either. So I think I think religion does have its good, uh, so it has it does some good for society, especially for um, giving people hope and meet, meeting their loved ones again, stuff like that. 
Yeah. With that being said, um, I understand when people tell me I had an experience and there's nothing you can say to change my mind. This is my experience. I'm like, I get it. Cause I've, I've experienced, I know exactly what you mean, but I've come to the conclusion myself that I understand. And you probably understand this too, that the brain can do some crazy things. Mm -hmm. um, and before Christianity, when, when, um, when orphism was the most, like the biggest religion in the Greco-Roman world, they would, they would get into these Bacchic frenzies. And they would right. say that Demeter and Bacchus are entering your body and you're becoming one with the gods. It's part of the Eleusinian mysteries in Athens. This was, right. the, this was the biggest religion in the ancient world before Christianity. Um, and so they had those experiences too. We can see, we can read, the, we can read these texts and go, mm -hmm. holy shit, this sounds a lot like people saying that, you know, they felt the, the they felt the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Pretty much the same thing, but it's a whole different, different God, different place, different time, but sort of the same uh, process that's happening. Um, so yeah, I get it. I understand it, but I'm, I just, I'm, I'm at a different place mm -hmm. in time and for myself, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's super fair. I like, uh, I like to tell Christians this, the, the first line of my testimony that I like to give to Christians specifically is, uh, the church made me almost walk away from my faith and evolutionary biology brought me back. Um, I went, cause I love science and I just, when I look at science in many ways, uh, when I was in university, I took Evo Bio my first semester, and it was after I'd done Bible college at my church. That's like kind of culty, my old church. Uh, it's not like a true cult, but it's very, it's, there's a lot of toxic stuff going on. And when I told them that I was going to take sciences, they were all super worried about me and tried to convince me out of it because they were worried that evolution would convince me to hate God. And so, of course, my first semester, I'm taking Evo Biology, and it was like two months after the church turned against my brother. And... It was crazy because I was like struggling with these issues of like identity and if Christ was real and I would sit in Evo bio and I would like learn about like the Cambrian explosion or like the way that like the like our like our two like our fallopian tubes like have these hairs that if they like move even like slightly once incorrectly the egg will never properly descend at the right timing of when it needs to get and so like just the egg would never get fertilized properly ever and it was like dependent on like, like literally the directionality of like 30 degrees of a hair like crazy stuff like this and i would walk out of biology class with like tingles up my arms and then i would go to church and hate my life and hate everyone there and it was like this back and forth and back and forth and it felt like for me obviously i could be wrong it could just be shit i was making up to make myself feel good but when i like studied evolutionary biology I came to realize that like science doesn't work against God because if God is real, why wouldn't he make material mechanisms by which he like processes through us? Like maybe the right part of our hemisphere is the part that like God intentionally put in there so that the experiences that we have in our physical body could manifest and we could literally experience religious awe, right? Like who, do, this is the issue. It's all metaphysical. We can't know. We literally can't know there could be spaghetti monster in the sky. But I felt like when I was in evil bio, I had this whole church. They were very, they were very shame type church as well shaming me for being full of sin being bad being a monster not being good enough and i had christian people in my life telling me that my brother was dirty and something was wrong with him he was filled with sin and then i sat in bio class and i watched a god that i believed loved me paint a masterpiece in front of me that is creation like biology is so cool it's crazy how like biomes and ecology works 
And I remember like praying over this one day and it felt like really strongly, like I got like directed to Isaiah 45 or maybe I just found it. Whatever happened, I opened my book and I read where it said like, it was like the message version. So the really naughty version of the Bible too. And it said, I would trade the entire world just to get you back. And it was like, all of a sudden I was like, every time I'm hearing about like the evolution of the world and I'm watching God like paint this masterpiece that is his creation, he's like turning back to me and he's being like, and I do it all again just for you. And that was what saved, that was what made me believe, I think God's a, is real and a loving God. It was evil bio, which could be silly. And everyone could be like, that's stupid. And it's like, it, it doesn't really matter. It's fucking metaphysical. Of course it's stupid because it's circular. That's the problem with metaphysics. Sure. And I'm not, I can't obviously take that from you, but you, there will be, and I'm going to speak for this because I know there's a lot of people watching this are going to say, but what about somebody it's in a starving country who is sitting there praying and hoping that something's going to happen and they get nothing. Whereas like mm -hmm. this one person gets their, gets their, their, their needs, their needs met. And like the people in the, you know, Africa who are like, God help us and nothing. And instead they get the opposite. Instead uh raiders come in and raid their town and the exact opposite happens. Like they'll say, why is it that like some random person in uh, uh you know, some very privileged area can get all these messages and hints that, Hey, I'm, I'm here for you. But like someone over there can't like the, that's, and it's a fair question. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not even just about privileged area. There's, there's people listening to me tell this and be like, well, cool, Kyla, I prayed the same thing and nothing happened. Right. That's what you're really asking me. That's what you're really caring about. Right. When a lot of people are saying this, they're like talking about like the orphans in Africa, but what you're, a lot of people are saying is I prayed this and nothing happened, right? Because I'm sure in Africa, you're going to find a whole bunch of Africans who pray and they claim that God did save them. And you're going to find a whole bunch of Africans who say, and I prayed and he didn't save me. And the answer is like, there isn't an answer for this. There's this messiness of free will and entropy and how God could just intervene and he doesn't. And there's this like big question of like, why? And the only answer that I've been able to come to and that I've essentially made peace with is probably an answer that will dissatisfy everyone uh, because I'm not here to solve God's mysteries for you. I, I shouldn't. If I am solving God's mysteries for you, like I, I, I'm just a person. I'm just some dumb fuck 29 year old girl who's like trying to figure out how to be like happy and find meaning. And the answer I came to is being like, there is free will, which means that like God does allow awful things to happen. And when we ask like, why does it happen? The answer is always going to be unsatisfying. There's like one answer, which is like, God is big and eternal and we can't know what he's doing. But another question is like, I wonder how God feels about these situations. Like when he sees people choose to do like horrific, horrible things like raiding and massacring other people, is God sitting up there like crying? Is he angry? Is he distant and cold from it? And I've come to the belief of basically being like, I think God cares. I think it breaks his heart. And I think like, I think free will is like one of the most like holy things. Um, it's like placed like literally next to like the blood of Christ. And I think there is an element of like an, a violation of the free will is a violation of like what like God has created nature to be. And that's a deeply unsatisfactory answer. And I realize that. Um, and so I can't solve it for other people. But I came to this place of when I realized how like free will seems dissatisfying until for me, I was like, oh, free will is literally when it's talked about. It is like literally put on place with like some of the most holy things in the religion. 
And so it seems like a violation of that would be a really big deal. Even a violation that would do good, right? It's this question of like, if I could force, for example, like I've got, I've got addicts that I've worked with in my life and I could force them to not go back to their abusive ex-boyfriend because every time they do, they relapse. Should I? And it's like, I don't know. I don't actually know the right answer because I say I could wave a wand and I could force my addict not to go back to her abusive ex-boyfriend. Would her life be better? Probably. Would it be the right thing to do? Probably not. Uh, not if I actually believe in like sanctity of free will. I have to allow the people that I love to make miserable, awful choices that don't just hurt them, but hurt other people around them, like her kids. And I have to allow her to make those choices anyways, because, because I don't know how to love somebody otherwise. Um, and that also means loving them enough to like have those consequences. And I know that that's not satisfying. Um, it's not, it's not a God's plan thing. I don't think it's a God's plan thing. It's a violation of free will thing, basically. Well, that's going to be, I mean, obviously we can go back and forth on that, but it's, it's not going to be solved at, at any point. It's one of those questions nope. that people have been asking for centuries and will continue to be that way. But, mm -hmm. um, anything else you want to, uh, bring up? I got your channel in the description, go and subscribe. Um, also, I, everyone watching on her channel you know you can always subscribe to me too if you want mm -hmm. <laughs> but, informant. Uh, yeah thanks uh yeah anything else you wanted to talk about or uh anything projects coming up you want to promote or anything um no i just want to make sure a bunch of like i could just be reading book reader comments do people feel like i'm dodging the question of harm because the answer is simply free will it's just more nuanced than free will at the same time. But I'm not trying to dodge the answer. I'm not trying to like pretend like harm doesn't happen. The reason yeah. why I think God allows harm to happen is because he chooses to sanctify free will over just like uh, alleviating suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's going to be people, people not, you know, content with that answer. That's totally fine. I just want to make sure that I'm not I'm not running away from the question. Because um, on, on the yeah. flip side of that, you also have. And this is this is like you said you don't care about the text, so I'm, that's why I'm not, that's why I didn't even bring it up because you're like cares about the text. But the people will point to the text and say, "There's instances where where God violates free will, and then like orders the pillaging and raping of like Canaanite cities just to move just to like further this like plan of Israel thing." So, but like like I'm not even gonna bring that to your attention because you, you even said i don't even care what the text says i think it's bigger than that i don't think it's big. i think that's that was like ancient shit that was relevant at one time but not was that what is that what you would say to that or, or, or i would no? say i would say if you're looking at like a poetry about a hebrew group explaining orally to others why they're the best people ever which is basically what they were doing constantly um i don't know if it's always fair to say like that 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 the character that they give them in like the specific text is a capital T true of the nature of God. Um, that would be basically my answer. Yeah. Fair enough. And uh, yeah, like I said, go and subscribe. And um, that's it for tonight. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope we can do more mm -hmm. of these. I did not know we were going to end up. It took a different direction as soon as we started talking before the stream, because I didn't, I didn't know you were a Christian, but it, it was a curveball, but it was fun. So yeah. Uh, with that being said, you have to sustain true gnosis. You have just attained true gnosis.
the Demiurge has no power over.